Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. and welcome to Under Consultation, an episode-by-episode podcast guide through the UK's greatest video game challenge TV show, Games Master. I am one of your hosts for this bonus special episode, Luke Owen. And bundled with Virtua Fighter, I am Ash Versus. This is the first of our two special episodes we're doing about the launch of the big consoles that are basically going to be coming out sort of in the interim between Series 4 and Series 5 because, because by the time we get to Series 5, oh boy, are we going to see a shift in Games Master's priority of what should be covered on the show. Now, technically, the PlayStation does actually launch after Series 5 begins airing. But, and this is a weird one that I'd actually forgotten about, like some of your high street retailers, like your HMVs and your Virgins, they were selling imports at this Mm. point. This is something which stopped, I think, very, very soon after the PlayStation launched over in the UK. But you could go to non-kind of specialist shops and buy import hardware, which I genuinely don't understand how that actually worked. Like, I I can only assume in the case of Virgin, it's because Virgin Megastores also existed in the US, so stock transfer could in some way take place. And I don't know, maybe HMV had... I mean, HMV did have some degree of American presence at different times, but maybe there was some kind of deal going on with Tower Records or, or some other retailer. But the fact that you could go to somewhere that wasn't CEX and buy import software and hardware, what a weird freaking time to be alive, Luke. So what we thought we would do here is we're going to go through Games Master's coverage of the launch in terms of the magazine style of things. We've also got some bits and bobs from the official Sega Saturn magazine, which launched in October, November 1995. And and I suppose just talking in general about the release of the Sega Saturn, which you and I have talked about a fair bit on this podcast already, because there's a lot of it in Series 4, about how this was just more of the muddled messaging from Sega. Because you've got the Mega Drive out, you've got the 32X out, 
got the multi mega you've got the mega cd and now you've got the sega saturn and there doesn't appear to be a decision made on which is the one we're supposed to be buying and you've got that internal brand confusion where you've got essentially different international groups kind of coming to loggerheads. We talked about it before, but you've got Sega of Japan and Sega of America and Sega of Europe are just kind of over there going, yeah, for the benefit of those listening, I just kind of shrugged because... <laughs> yeah, we both that, just sort of shrugged. Yeah, that's all Sega of Europe could really do. Sega of America wanted to go the modular route. They wanted to push the 32X. They wanted to stay and capitalize on the success of the Mega Drive. Sega of Japan wanted to be all about the Sega Saturn. And looking back on it, I think neither of them were right. Yeah, it's it's a shame really, isn't it? I think for like Sega of Japan, they did have a good thing going because the Mega Drive was doing numbers. It was still selling very, very well. And I think that, and we've talked about this before as well, I think the idea of the Mega CD and the 32X being released to uh, expand the life of the Mega Drive or the Genesis over in the States was in theory a good idea. It just didn't quite come to pass. There's actually, when we get to the letters for the official Sega Saturn magazine, that does come up. Now, we, it'd be interesting for us to, to maybe dive into it a little bit more there. But yeah, unfortunately, the Sega Saturn, as we're kind of going to learn as we go through this, it was less of a launch and more of just like a, here's some stuff. Yeah. It was less of a, here is an exquisitely prepared meal, and more, do you want an extra scoop of slop? And that's not to say that it was bad, because actually, and this is kind of perverse, the Saturn in Japan was the sort of hit that Sega had wanted for years. Like 100% Sega Japan. it was. It was, a, it was. it was massive. It was just everywhere else, it, it went tits up. But I think it most shows in that I've got the Games Master magazine here, for August. So this would have been the issue that came out, I guess, uh, mid-July. Now, we've got another one of these issues that we'll cover in the PlayStation launch, and that is a case of, here is what's coming up with the PlayStation launch. It's coming on this day. Make sure you've got it booked off. This is the exciting thing we're looking forward to. And here is the launch special for the Saturn, which is actually speaking of it retrospectively, because Sega were originally set to come out around the same time as the Sony PlayStation. That was their goal, was they were going to go toe-to-toe. And suddenly, they pulled it forward. They did this in America. We've talked about it before. They pissed off KMB Toys. They pissed off a lot of major suppliers by announcing the Saturn was going on sale before a number of retailers even had inventory. But that meant the entire thing got pulled forward. And so the European launch, at least in the UK, took place on the 8th of July. And it's bizarre, isn't it? Because you mentioned that, the 8th of July... And our friends over at Sonic the Comic, the podcast, have just finished 1995. Bear in mind, this is Sonic the Comic. This is an official Sega licensed product. And they review games released on Sega consoles. There's nothing about the Saturn for pretty much the entirety of 1995. I think there was an issue that covered the launch of the Sega Saturn. But you'd think the release of a brand new console would be bigger than that. And, you know, when I was going through and I was looking at the old magazines, the old Sega magazines, when you get to the official rebranding and it's the Sega Saturn magazine, you go through the Let's page, it's still people asking about the Mega Drive, the Mega CD and the 32X. And there are some Saturn games that were reviewed in sort of the July issues of the Sega magazine. It's just there was no 
I mean, there was thought behind it. There was a plan. And then Sega of Japan got their way and did it the way that they wanted it to be done, which meant that all of the plans that they had for this launch didn't go as planned. It is fair to say that on a global sense of the three major consoles of this generation war, which while it is the 32-bit war, let's be honest, it also includes the Nintendo 64. I love the 3DO, but it doesn't really factor into it. You had the Saturn, you had the PlayStation, you had the Nintendo 64. PlayStation won it, hands down. No debate. Easily, easily. Nintendo 64 came second. Mm-hmm. And even though it came way later. Exactly. And Saturn, definite third. Yeah. If they'd taken their time, they'd have still missed out on the top spot. Sony was unstoppable. They spent a huge amount on marketing. We'll go into that next week. But they could have had a comfortable second. They could have weathered it out if there'd been some more, oh God, I hate using this kind of word, synergy. 100%. Like if they'd have had, you know, I think it speaks a lot about the Saturn that there there isn't a Sonic game released on it. That blue blur is the mascot of a console. It was the mascot of the Mega Drive. That blue blur saved the Genesis over in the in the United States, and it did very well over here as well in the UK, less so in Japan, but in Western territories, did really well. Makes a lot of sense. It was a game that was designed for Western audiences. And there's not a brand new Sonic game released on the Sega Saturn. I know there was supposed to be one, but the time that the, the guy to make it was given nearly drove him to it drove him to illness because he was sleeping in the office he was sleeping in the development studio he didn't go home he was working on it day morning noon and night and drove himself to i've I've written about it a lot because i wrote a book once and there was meant to tie into the the sonic the hedgehog movie that was going to come out in 1995 along with the launch of the sega saturn they had plans they had synergized plans for this thing and absolutely diddly dick of them actually came to pass despite there being a Sonic Silhouette branded Saturn released in Japan. Speaking though, just to briefly diverge, Luke, how many hardware variants of the Saturn do you think there were? I've obs- I've actually no idea on that one. Take a guess. Um, five? Right, double it. There was a Hitachi Sega Saturn that included GPS navigation and a pop-up screen and other features that was designed for cars or possibly boats. Who knows? There was the original Sega Saturn. It's like the one I've got behind me. There was then the white Sega Saturn, which was a cheaper model. And I don't know how they could have made it much cheaper in some ways because I've had to work on that Japanese Sega Saturn. It's a fucking nightmare on the inside. You then had a black Sega Saturn that was given a makeover for its international release. That's the one you could buy over here. They also modified the gamepad. That was a mistake. You then had the skeleton Saturn, which was a transparent Saturn. You then had the high Saturn, which was manufactured under license by Hitachi. You then had the V Saturn that was manufactured by JVC. Then... To get around Korean manufacturing restrictions, you had the Samsung Saturn because Korea couldn't import hardware manufactured in Japan, so Samsung made a Saturn and that was released in Korea. You then had the Sega Saturn, but why not? It was essentially the standard cheaper Saturn, but with a sonic silhouette on the front. And then you had my favourite and probably the only other Saturn other than the original kind of Japanese model behind me that I'd like to own, the This Is Cool Saturn, which is kind of like the skeleton Saturn, but it says on the top, this is cool. Well, I mean, if it says it on the console, then it has to be true. It is now the most expensive of the Saturn variants, possibly apart from the high Saturn Navi, where I'm just like, the weird thing about the Saturn Navi, I'm just looking at a picture of it here. It barely looks like a Saturn. Like, I'm just going to see if I can show you it on the screen. Oh, yeah. 
It looks more like a 3DO. It does a bit, actually, yeah. A lot of buttons on top of that. I mean, that would be the GPS. You want to know where exactly you are in the world when you're playing Clockwork Knight. But I think the number of variants of hardware in different manufacturers kind of, again, speaks to the lack of synergy. Now, okay, the Samsung Saturn, to get around manufacturing restrictions, that's smart. Sega had licensed out hardware before. Different areas made different ones. I think Nintendo did the same. But that was over a long lifespan. What was the lifespan of the Saturn, realistically? Three years? Four? Well, yeah, I mean, we got the Dreamcast before the turn of the millennium. And that lasted even less time. And the the funny thing about that as well is that we watched a a, a Sega Saturn, like, UK launch video. I think actually it's it's an American launch video. And in that, it's this very David Lynchian style thing. You are approaching Saturn. You are only seconds away. I have arranged for you to meet my companion. He will lead you. Watch and listen. Please don't disappoint him. He doesn't like that. We are five years away from entering the 21st century. Humankind stands on the edge of the interactive age. You have come a long way. But are you ready for the future? It's very David Lynch. It's very Sega. And it's very short. And he barrels on about the fact that the 21st century is only five years away. So you want to make sure that you get the console that is going to be the most relevant for when we reach the 21st century. So he tells them to buy a PlayStation. Yeah, exactly. The Sega Saturn doesn't last up until the, until the turn of the millennium. Sega. Saturn. Incoming! Go farther than you have ever gone before. Sega Saturn. Play your games in the 21st century and leave the rest of the world behind. (laughs) You've got to admire their balls. We've covered it before. The Saturn's biggest issue is they panicked. They flinched. They realised they'd created a 2D console for a 3D world. Bizarrely, that 2D aspect is what made them in Japan. So what did Games Master Magazine have to say about it? Well, after all the waiting and all the hype, it's finally happened, Luke. Yes, the Saturn has arrived some two months ahead of schedule. The standard bundle contains a Saturn, a joypad and Virtua Fighter and costs £399. Pricey. It is pricey, but I do appreciate they don't say a free copy of Virtua Fighter in this article. It's not free. It's included in the price. You can now buy Clockwork Knight, £39.99, Sega International Victory Goal, £44.99, and Daytona USA, a eye-bruising $49.99. Ouch. Two further titles, Panzer Dragoon and Pebble Beach Golf, are expected in a couple of weeks' time. The Saturn wasn't due to hit the shelves until September the 2nd on the fabled Saturn Day. God, they even... Oh, Luke, this They, they had a day. It was, it was a Saturday because they, they had such success with Sonic Tuesday. They were like, well, let's just do it again. Because, like... You know, Mortal Monday was a copy of Sonic Tuesday. 
And it was such a success for both of us. Like, we can do it with Saturn Day. And once again, it's Sega of Japan being like, nope, we're going to do something else. Because let's not forget, Sega of Japan also did not take part in Sonic Tuesday. They released it two days beforehand in Japan because they didn't like the fact that Sega of America had a good idea. God, Luke, this hurts. I mean, the thing is, I'm a Nintendo kid and then a Sony kid. I didn't really get Sega until much later on. But looking back, it's just painful. It's like reading the autobiography of your favourite musician and talking about their crippling heroin problem. Oh, it's an an absolute nightmare. It's why, like, Blake Harris's book, Console Wars, is a fascinating read. I mean, a lot of people don't like its its writing style. I quite get on with it, but it's a fascinating look into the history of the Mega Drive and the Saturn. I need to see if there's an audible version of it yet. I think we've talked about it before. Oh, brilliant. I'm grabbing that then because... I don't I don't have time to read right now. I've got a podcast to edit. You know how that goes. I will say the audible version of it though does the, the guy does Japanese accents. Oh no. Oh I know. Oh yeah. And and, and a lot of them as well. Oh, are they all the same? <laughs> no, no, no. He's got different characters for each of them. Oh god. Okay, so basically listen to it but be prepared to bite down on my fist at various <laughs> oh, times yeah. like oh i'm not sure you can get it this was recorded recently as well oh no anyway while the saturn wasn't the first generation console to hit the market the jaguar and 3do got there first they did they're already on their way out it's expected to make quite an impact at 399 pounds it's certainly not cheap But what you get for your money is a machine powered by two 32-bit processors with dedicated graphics and sound chips that can handle, respectively, 500,000 polygons and 32 sound channels. Of course, this would mean nothing without the software to make use of its capabilities. Luckily, with the Saturn, you also buy into Sega's strong arcade catalogue with games like Virtua Fighter 2 and Sega Rally already in the pipeline. Original titles like Grand Chaser and Bug are proving that Sega can produce quality titles outside of the arcade as well. I, I, I like Bug. I think Bug's a really good game. Okay. I, I mean, to be honest, I'm quite fond of Clockwork Knight. I actually think Clockwork Knight is a pretty fun game. I think it's great. There are other sides to both super consoles that are worth considering. Both the Saturn and PlayStation have MPEG compatibility so that, for the price of an upgrade card, you can watch a wide range of movies and music videos on CD. Japanese sources suggest that a keyboard, hard drive and modem will also be made available for the Saturn at some point, basically turning it into a high-end PC. Flash that up as things that never happened. (laughs) I mean, I think some of the peripherals got released, but it never became a high-end PC. Nevertheless, a dark cloud hovers over the otherwise bright future of Sega's new baby, that cloud's name is Sony. Coming in at a price of £399, Sega are taking a dangerous gamble that Sony won't go for long-term profit in software sales and pull the PlayStation's price down to rock bottom as discussed in our lead news story, that'd be the price drop heard around the world that came about. Whether Sony decide on this strategy or not, heavy discounting on both super consoles looks certain in the frantic money-grabbing run-up to Christmas. Obviously, we're covering the PlayStation article in Games Master next week, but I can already say very different tones. Oh, yeah. This is pessimistic because they're, they're not exactly saying it, but they are kind of saying, yeah, this is already a desperation move. This ain't great. Yeah, and like, and even when we get to it, the um, you know, the, the PlayStation one next week, even that has got tones of like, oh, well, I'm, you know, retailers aren't sure whether this is going to work or anything like this. But there is a lot more optimism about the console itself being a success, and actually, and what it feels like and what it reads like is a genuinely a genuine successful launch. Yeah, which this doesn't. This this really isn't. This is a dribble. 
This is not a cork pop. This is a dribble. And, you know, we clockwork night there. We talk about that being a you know a really good game in this that, and the other. But I'm looking at you know the Sega Saturn magazine that came out in October slash November. Do you know what they're reviewing in that? Clockwork Night Two. So it's like the first game's only just come out and we're already talking about its sequel. Yeah, I, I I guess they rushed the port of Clockwork Night 2 for Europe because there were a lot of really good games for the Saturn, but there mm. were also a lot of games that they just couldn't seem a way to market outside of Japan. I mean, there are still some of the best games for the Sega Saturn that you can play outside of arcade ports because all oh, the Capcoms, they get a good run on the Saturn. X-Men versus Street Fighter, I've said it before, is so fucking good on the Saturn. But a lot of the other games, they're just like, they're very Japanese. They're RPGs. They're stuff like that. And just can't see a way to to market it over here. Or they're 2D based, but Sony's got 3D. So why are we trying to do that? But anyway, we do get a rundown here of the launch titles. I'll try to provide some reviews of them, but because the Saturn was so sort of spread out... When we do next week's episode, which is the PlayStation one, much easier to do because all of them are in that one magazine. This is like across spread across various different magazines. So I'll try and find reviews where possible. Well, first up, and they list it as free with the Saturn. It's not free. It's a packing game. You're still paying for the sodding game. It's Virtua Fighter. The classic polygon beat-em-up comes free with your Saturn. It's not free. Fluid movement and rough and tumble feel makes this great fun to play, especially on two-player. Sega claimed that the small graphic glitches that spoiled the Japanese version had been fixed for the UK release. Most of them had. They did actually patch a lot of the Japanese Saturn games before they got a Western release. I'm just having a look through to see if I can find it. Uh, I've gone back to, uh, I'm in the official Sega Saturn magazine, but I don't think, oh, I've got a review of Virtua Fighter Remix. Which is actually the best version of the first Virtua Fighter. What did they give that, Luke? Let's have a look. They gave that five stars. Out of... I'm going to presume five, although it's weird because the rest of the magazine is done in percentages. Moving on. <laughs> Sega International Victory Goal, $44.99. Looking a lot like FIFA on the 3DO, this is a truly 3D game of footy with multiple viewpoints and some top over-the-shoulder goal-scoring action. The players are well animated and realistic enough to draw you in. We'll have to check out the speed of the PAL version and let you know. There's something we're not really talking about with the PlayStation when we think about it. I mean, PAL NTSC is still a thing, but yeah, there's much more pessimism in here than we're going to see next week. Uh, No review of that, I'm afraid. Oh, Clockwork Knight, $39.99. A very pretty platformer with a singing doll called Chelsea. You get to fence around with your key and hitch a ride on speeding toy trains. The main problem with the import version was that it was much too easy. Sega assure us that the difficulty level has been upped for the European market. I can give you a review of Clockwork Night 2. Sure. Well, uh, the official Sega Saturn magazine said, fantastic graphics, great gameplay, and a brilliant fairy tale story make Clockwork Night 2 the most engrossing and entertaining Saturn platformer around. If only it was twice as long, it would be perfect 88%. I mean, that still sounds pretty good. I've got both of them on the Saturn. They are, they are fun games. But probably, to my mind, the best of the launch titles, also forty nine ninety nine. ouch, It's Daytona USA, the racing game that caused more arguments than any other. Is it totally top or pathetically poor? Is it better than Ridge Racer? The one scratch on its bodywork is an update glitch that spoils the redrawing of the background, and it's unlikely this will be changed for the UK. Still, when you're racing, it isn't very noticeable. It is noticeable. (laughs) Now, back then, I think I'd have preferred Ridge Racer over Daytona. And I still have a lot of love for Ridge Racer. It is a pretty damn near perfect game. But I 
think now I have a much higher appreciation for Daytona, bugs and all, because it is a great arcade experience. It is so much fun. It has an amazing soundtrack, nice variety of tracks. It's all good. I, I really, really like Daytona USA now. Well, it also scored five stars in the already out now section of this magazine. And they said, well, chances are that if you already bought a Saturn, then this game forms part of your collection. It's already been out for months. But for those who don't have it, here's a very simple message. Go and buy it now. Converted from the top arcade game, Daytona is a treat to be savoured for all Saturn owners. All three tracks from the arcade version have been faithfully converted, along with the decidedly dodgy music, some excellent graphics, and loads of brilliant cheats. I know you're pulling a face there, because when you said great soundtrack, I was like, oh, this is about to bury the soundtrack here. Fuck that magazine. Rolling There's been many a harsh criticism bandied around the way the graphics update and, unfortunately, it has to be said that it does suffer somewhat from trees appearing out of nowhere syndrome. In fact, this is the game's one and only downfall. It's interesting how they talk about draw distance problems like pop-up, like it's a glitch, like it's a bug. But no, that's just something that we are going to encounter in the modern world of 3D games, particularly 1995 and onwards. You think about what makes Silent Hill so atmospheric when it gets released for the PlayStation. It's the fog and the mist. And why is that there? Because the draw distance. That's it. It's not a bug. It's just that people are already pushing consoles beyond their limits or, more accurately, beyond their understanding of the console's limits. Because things will change. One thing that the Saturn and the PlayStation at this point have in common is documentation is poor, as are development libraries. So... We will see better out of the Saturn. Virtua Fighter Remix versus Virtua Fighter and then Virtua Fighter 2 is a great example of that. But uh, but yeah, the pop-up on Daytona, it's there. I could boot my Saturn up now. It's still there. But I don't know. I Yeah, I think on the home console, at least, I may prefer Daytona USA to Ridge Racer now. Well, speaking of bug... Uh, that does get reviewed in the first issue of the official Sega Saturn magazine, scoring 92%, saying, Bug finally brings the term next generation to platform games in a cute and highly enjoyable way. Well, whilst Bug may not be featured in this article, we do have two counting downs. So two, uh, two games that aren't coming out for the launch, but will be with us soon. The first of which, Panzer Dragoon, gave birth to an entire saga, if you will, ride around on a dragon against some incredible backdrops while shooting the flying cities, giant worms and air yachts that spin towards you. It certainly looks stunning, but worries remain about the difficulty level of this next generation blaster, especially as it's likely to cost you £50. Ooh, I mean, the official Sega Saturn magazine, very praising of it, said, With Daytona and Virtua Fighter, Sega cornered the next generation racing and beat-em-up markets respectively. Now they've got the shoot 'em up genre in the bag as well. Simply incredible, 92%. Ooh, there's some Sega gander going on in that magazine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the Panzer Dragoon games, but I'm not sure it would be fair to say they've got the shooting kind of genre cornered, and especially not Virtua Fighter. I mean, you know, Tekken is still slightly in the distance, but Sony comes out swinging with the launch of the PlayStation. They've got a game there. I was going to say, yeah, I think maybe the way that they're coming at it is from a launch perspective, you know, like the PlayStation launched it, they didn't have like a great shoot 'em up game. 
So maybe that's where they're coming from. Not that I 100% agree with their sentiments there. Daytona, despite its graphical problems, is a more in-depth game than the first Ridge Racer. That, that much I can definitely say. Virtua Fighter versus Battle Arena Toshinden, which was the launch fighter for the PlayStation. Um, hedge your bets there, really, yeah, I think. I'd say so. But also, in the counting down section, we've got Pebble Beach Golf. The weakest of Sega's first batch of Saturn titles is a PC-ish golf sim featuring digitized players and courses. Okay to look at, but rather too fiddly to give long-term enjoyment. We're sure there are much better sports games to come. Oof. Well, the official Sega Saturn magazine said the only golf option for some months, so if that's your game, go for it. 79%. And that's it, really. That That is what Games Master magazine had to say about the launch of the Saturn. But realistically, as it was already done and dusted, there was no point in kind of spending too long obsessing over it. It was already it was already gone. It was already in the past. One of the other reviews I wanted to highlight from this, though, uh, is the review of Street Fighter the movie, which obviously was released on both the Sega Saturn and the PlayStation. And the only reason I mm. wanted to highlight this one, because we'll talk about it a bit more next week, but the reason why I wanted to highlight this one is that this is how the review starts. The Street Fighter movie is one of the worst cinema releases of the year, reminiscent of M. Hewlett's Holiday in its awfulness. And M. Hewlett's Holiday is French. But that didn't stop Capcom from making at least a small amount of money from it and releasing Street Fighter the movie arcade game, which is at least different from its predecessors in the Street Fighter 2 line. With that said, they conclude by saying, a pointless waste of time and money on behalf of everyone involved, except the actors who got paid for doing it, do not be conned 49%. Uh, Spoilers for next week, I was conned. (laughs) Not for the Saturn version, though. No. Now, we talked a little bit about the variations of the Saturn earlier. One of the most baffling decisions, like, okay, you want to make it a sleek black console, goes more in line with the Mega Drive, I can understand that, I can see that, is the Saturn pad. As it exists in Japan, and in fact, as is still replicated still to this day, it's a Mega Drive type affair. It's got the six buttons on the face, much like the six button Mega Drive pad. It's got some lovely clicky shoulder buttons, so you get a total of eight. And it's got a nice D-pad, that nice Mega Drive rolling D-pad. It was, and remains, an absolutely blinding little bit of a controller. For the West, they decided to mess with it. To be blunt, they decided that they could do better. So whilst we still have, while the face buttons are still mostly similar, the shoulder pads are now mushy. That is the only way to describe them. And the the D-pad, it, I don't know how to describe it other than saying it's just not. And the entire controller shape has changed. It's actually trying to look, I think, a bit more futuristic. Maybe they didn't want it to be confused for a Mega Drive pad. But that in itself was a mistake because I've tried to use one of these pads and there's a reason why I've gone with the Japanese style pads for my Sega Saturn. It's not just because it's a Japanese Sega Saturn. It's because they were just the... They were just the better pads. That was it. Mm. It was it was terrible. I never really... Uh, so I only knew one kid that had a Sega Saturn, and he was a bit of a knob. So I never really... I'm right like, here. <laughs> so I never really played on the Sega Saturn like at this point in time. But I do remember thinking that the controller was like the Mega Drive one, but not as good. And that was a bit puzzling to me. That is actually an entirely accurate representation of the Western Saturn pad. It's like the Mega Drive pad, but not as good. Whereas the Japanese Saturn pad is like the Mega Drive pad, but better. That's kind of what you would yeah, that's what you would expect it to be, surely. Also, just an interesting little bit I saw in a caption, because I've been referring to various magazines in addition to Games Master magazine. I've got some old retro gamers out as well. 
You know, I mentioned that there was the Samsung version of the Saturn for Korea. Mm -hmm. The reset button on it never worked. You can't reset games in Korea. That's it. It's either on or it's off. There's no reset for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, that's Valkyrie. Does he design the games? No, he executes them. Valkyrie, driver 41, ready to download. Would you like to hear some of the letters that Sega Saturn magazine received? I absolutely would. I, I'm I am so curious to see what real people were thinking about this in 1995. Now, do you know what's interesting here is you and I have spent the last sort of 35 minutes of recording time talking about the fact that Sega did a pretty pants job of launching this thing in terms of moving dates. Prices, this, that, and the other. Here's the opening paragraph of the letters page for the official Sega Saturn magazine. Normally, we here at Sega Saturn, Next Generation Mag, or whatever we're called now, woof, they don't know what's going on. They're the official magazine. 
And this is uh, really interesting as well, because the opening paragraph here talks about the fact that they had so many letters asking about where's Sonic. Last seen driving a small go-kart, everyone's favorite blue hedgehog in red trainers with a sidekick called Tails, a mate called Knuckles, and an arch enemy with a handle Dr. Robotnik just so you don't get him confused with anyone else, has disappeared. Do you know where Sonic has gone? Is he just washed up? Can you suggest future careers for the blighter? Or don't you care? And then I read through all of the letters, not a single person has asked about Sonic. I bet you they just got so many letters asking where Sonic was, they're just like, oh, sod this, sod this, sod this. They then actually forgot to put one in. What we do have, though, is this uh, letter here, which is from uh, Mr. V from Castle Grayskull. I'm sure that's true. Uh, Who says... Dear Sagan Magazine, or Saturn Magazine, you're probably getting sick of this, but I'd like to have my say regarding the 32X and the Mega CD. I own these machines and been a dedicated 32X owner and being concerned, I'm becoming concerned about the machine's future. The Mega CD was unsuccessful, not because it was a poor machine, but because hardly any of its software exploited its potential. Even today's releases are mostly FMV and 32X CD-ROM titles, and they're just the same FMV games with better quality footage. Disappointing that the few 32X games utilize the CD-ROM, because the only real problem with the 32X is that being cartridge-based, it has limited memory. Still, even without CD-ROM memory, the 32X still boasts some fantastic games. The release titles are all exceptional, as are the recent releases such as Metalhead and Stellar Assault. But what about the future? Virtua Fighter is big news, the scavenger games shown in issue 15 will be good, and Soulstar X, Calabri, Superlative 32-bit graphics but 16-bit gameplay by the look of it, there should really be much more quality software lined up as with the Saturn. While I'll end up being optimistic and hoping the Sega will learn from the mistake they made with the Mega CD, let's hope some decent games arrive for Christmas, eh? I don't think they did. No, and here's what they had to respond with here. The trouble with the Mega CD is that no one was really willing to develop great games for it until enough people owned one. Otherwise, no one would be able to buy it and they'd never make a return on the considerable development cost. The same story can be applied to the 32X, but there are actually enough decent games either out or on the way to justify the dough. So hopefully loads of people will have a 32X on their Christmas list. That'll mean tons of potential customers for software companies and even more games. It's a vicious circle, you see, and it works both ways. Still, fingers crossed. Man, this is a really pessimistic letters page. Yeah, and like, this is the official Sega Saturn magazine. First letter I've just read out there. Well, actually, the first letter is about uh, cheat for Mortal Kombat 2 and secret characters on the Mega Drive. Then there's someone here saying like, sorry, the 32X Mega CD seem a bit shit, but you told me they'd be good. Please tell me they'll be good in the future. And then our next one here is titled... I love the Mega CD from Brian De Silva from Plumstead in London. I've just bought a Mega CD. The games on it are good, but the graphics could be better. I think that Sega are not making any good games for the Mega CD, so they can cash in on the Saturn. Why can't you get Daytona on the Mega CD? I was going to get a 32X, but changed my mind and got a Mega CD because you can get mostly the same games, e.g. Fahrenheit and BC Racers, but you can play CDs. So why do people buy the 32X with one of these games for 150 quid when you can get a Mega CD with 11 games for 170? I mean, yes, yes. There is also, I think, some misunderstanding as what the 32X actually is there. But that's, again, down to bad marketing and strange decisions from Sega. But also it does run into that thing of not even to do with official magazines, but a lot of magazines would have gone, yeah, the Mega CD is going to be great. This is a future of gaming. Ooh, look, something slightly shinier. Yeah, the 3DO is going to be great. It's going to be the future of gaming. Ooh, a free junket to, to Los Angeles. Yeah, the PlayStation's going to be great. It's going to be everything, and so on and so forth. 
because you can only go with what you know. There's always going to be something better around the corner. You know, we've you, you're on the PS4. I'm on the kind of, I guess, what is now the current generation of consoles. And I already know in two, three years time, the PC will have outpaced them or the PlayStation 6 or the Xbox Series X or whatever is going to be there. The Nintendo Switch will finally be replaced with something newer. I hope they hold some backwards compatibility. But it's like nothing is going to stand still. And I think it's a hard lesson to learn, but here we are. Well, official Sega Saturn magazine responded to this by saying, because, dear boy, the games you can get for the 32X outperform the ones for the Mega CD, and there'll probably be lots more of them in the future. Probably. That's my addition there. Uh, why don't you get a 32X as well, thereby optimizing your Mega Drive-based console spectacular, and you'll have a machine that looks like an evil robot. I mean, that is the most compelling argument I've ever heard for having the Mega Drive, the Mega CD, and the 32X, is it will look like an evil robot. It will look like an interrogation droid from Star Wars. So our last one here comes from uh, Adley in London, who uh, his letter is titled, Please Talk To Me. Now, some of this, I think, is probably just a bit of frustration here because he says, Listen up, Sega Magazine. I'm getting really miffed off that you're not replying to my letters. You seem happy to print my cheat, but you won't answer a couple of simple short letters. I'm beginning to think you make up the letters. Please don't have made me waste this lovely collector's postcard, Tony the Tiger, if you're interested. It was meant to try and catch your attention. I've only one question which someone else tried to ask who it got printed, but nothing was answered. Anyway, here it is. In Sega Magazine issue 7, look at pages 48 to 55. All, and I mean all, of the Saturn showcases look better than their final product, except for maybe Panzer. You said you saw them and they were smooth and sharp. Virtual racing looks arcade perfect and Daytona has no clipping and better graphics. Please explain. If you don't know the answers, please make inquiries. I feel the answers are very important. Does he get a response? He does indeed. Now, it should be noted that some of that was written in all caps. So, which they do address here by saying, listen up, Adley, multiple exclamation marks and writing things in all caps are sure signs of someone who doesn't pay attention in their English classes and won't get the best of their education. They answer in all caps. Anyway, to answer your question, which would have been addressed in a Q&A, which should... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just... Anyway, to answer your question, which really should have been sent to the Q&A section, the versions of this game in issue 7 were rather early, and sadly, some sacrifices had to be made to ensure the speed playability of the games came out right. Virtual Racing pretty much looks the same, as does Panzer, so there you go. Basically, we weren't watching this run on final hardware, this was running on dev kits and PCs. All of the letters here are just people being like, I don't know what I'm supposed to buy, this isn't as good as you told me it was going to be, please tell me things are going to get better. When we get to the PlayStation Magazine next month, it is a stark difference. It is frustrating. Like I mean, I, you know, at the time, I didn't really care. I was gearing up to own a PlayStation. I just got rid of my SNES. I think I still had some early access to very, very rudimentary PC gaming at that point. I probably still have my Game Boy, actually, I think. I think I still have my Game Boy. But yeah, the SNES was gone and I was eagerly awaiting the PlayStation. I didn't care what was happening with Sega. I didn't grow up in a Sega household. But now, looking back, I am just so angry at how a company could implode so spectacularly. And it is in fact amazing that one, we got the Dreamcast to follow this. And two, that Sega still exist in some regards today. Although I will say that Sega now is putting out some of my favourite game franchises. You know, the Yakuza series, the Judgment series, Persona, you know, which admittedly is because they own Atlas, but it it still stands to reason. You know, they they Sega now, I think, is 
I don't know if they're a healthier company. They're probably a little bit less in bitchy and fighting, a bit more global synergy. I really don't want to be using that word synergy ever again. I feel like I'm some <laughs> kind of marketing person because Luke, we've got we've got to get in synergy. I know it's awful, isn't it? That's what this podcast has become. We've got to unprison our think rhinos and get in synergy. <laughs> One last thing I want to read out here, because I wonder if you've got some answers to these questions. This is in the Q&A section from a potential Saturn owner named Stephen Wilmot from Reading, good lad, who says, could you answer my questions as I'm thinking of buying a Saturn? Number one, do you think it's worth selling my Mega Drive Mega CD 32X and about 20 games and buying a Saturn? No. Their answer, it's up to you. Great help. Question two, do you think the 32X will start getting games nearly as good as the Saturn, like Virtua Fighter? Yes. <laughs> they said, well, it's already got Virtua Fighter, hasn't it? Number three, I like this one. Will FIFA be as good as the 3DO version on the Saturn? I mean, it's just a port as far as I know, so probably. Uh, they say it might be as good as FIFA 3DO on the Saturn. Yes. Number four, do you think Sega Rally will be arcade perfect? Ish. It's going to be pretty damn close, is what they say. And lastly, on virtual reality, they said Virtual Fighter was looking dated. Is this true? Yes. And they say, you should stop listening to those virtual ramblings. In other words, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, even compared to its own series, it's looking dated. Virtual Fighter 2 is already out there. It's already being seen. We talked about this in Games Master Series 4 that was airing late 1994. This is like... This is an October, November 1995. And they'll be like, mm, maybe. I don't know. I don't think you should be to those people. We've already fucking seen it a year ago, lad. So anyway, that's all the stuff from the uh, official Sega Saturn magazine launch. That must have been a miserable magazine to work for. It seems like it, doesn't it? Because you're writing about all of these games and stuff in a very wishy-washy release period. And you've just got people up. like You've just got letter after letter after letter about people going like, I don't know what's going on. And your reply to it is, neither do I. But we think it's... It's going to be good. We think and we hope and we pray. Well, so I guess to wrap things up then, um, yeah, like as I said, I only knew one kid that had a Sega Saturn and the only game I really played on it was Tomb Raider. I have had a Sega Saturn since when I was done my sort of big retro game collection when I was in my early 20s and I had disposable income. Um, and I really enjoyed what I got because I got Panzer Dragoon, Panzer Dragoon 2, Panzer Dragoon Saga. Um, I got Clockwork Knight, I got Bug. I'm not really into Virtual Fighter, so I didn't really go too much into that. And I did enjoy Daytona. So I have enjoyed the Sega Saturn on reflection. However, I think as a console, it is... I mean, is this a bigger misstep than the 3DO, the CDI, or the Atari Jaguar? Yes, actually. I, think, I genuinely I think, it think it is. is. I think it is as well. I, and I think for the simple reason... Um, Atari was attempting a comeback. Atari was not doing great when they reached this point. They didn't have much success. They had the links. That's what that was. And yeah, they made a bad console and it failed. That's it. Come at me, Jaguar fans. I'm sure you're out there. But the console was not good. It had a lot of mistakes to make. It, 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 they made a lot of mistakes with it. That's not to say that games on it are unplayable. It's just not a great console. 3DO, I still maintain, was ahead of its time, but it started from a position of kind of zero. They came up with the idea of creating the standard, of selling the standard of multiple manufacturers, your Panasonics, your Gold Stars, your whatevers, and there would be, you know, different manufacturers around the world, different combinations, so you could have your Laserdisc, VHS, 3DO player, whatever, modules, things. That's fine. CDI, kind of the same. They failed, but they had a trajectory 
which went up and then down. And how far they went up varied from console to console, and how long they sustained that varied from console to console, and then it went down. Sega was starting up here. They had the Mega Drive, which, okay, wasn't doing great in Japan, by certainly not what they wanted it to be doing. But it was globally a success. They had the Mega CD, but it still sold units. It still shifted consoles. And then we come to 32-bit, we come to 32X, we come to the Saturn, and let's clump them together because realistically, you know, it is Sega hitting itself. You know, it's kind of like smacking the Saturn with the 32X or vice versa. It's stop punching yourself, stop punching yourself, stop punching yourself. It They self-destruct. They start up here, and I'm holding my hand up relatively high, just below the edge of my, of my webcam screen. And they drop, I would say, arguably lower than 3DO. 3DO kind of was still going, oh, well, we're going to do the M2. We're going to still move forward. But they had a vision. They had a way going forward. They weren't going 32X, no Saturn, no this. No, we're pulling the launch forward. No, we're a 2D machine, but now we're a 3D machine. They had an idea of where they were going. As I said earlier, it's a miracle we got the Dreamcast. Absolute oh, yeah. miracle. And what a different world it would have been had Tom Kalinske gotten his way and they would have worked with Sony on the Saturn. Because that was the plan. That was the conversation they were having. Those were the meetings they were having. Sony wanted to get into the games world. They got screwed over by Nintendo. So they got into bed with Sega and they could have had a joint venture and Sega of Japan were like, don't need them. We've got our own thing. We'll destroy them. And it blew up in their faces, spectacularly so. In retrospective, Nintendo and Sega must be kicking themselves over the fact they both kind of like bolstered up with Sony. But that wasn't the limit of it. Because Trip Hawkins went to Sega to try and bring them on board with the 3DO. That could have been a way both of them could have succeeded. I reckon that would have actually worked out pretty damn well. SGI, Silicon Graphics Inc., proposed a chipset to Sega that they turned down. SGI would later go on to work with Nintendo for the Nintendo Ultra 64. And they turned them down. You've got one of the major manufacturers behind the hardware that is making Hollywood graphics happen. And Sega were like, nah, not for us, thanks. They just rejected any outside help and were like, nope, we're going to design it ourselves. And design it they did. And it's still a really good console when you play to its strengths. Unfortunately, its strengths were what Sony was trying to say was passe. Yeah, exactly. And it was working as well. It was. I mean, ha. <sighs> like, I, I'm a 2D kid, right? I'm yeah. a 2D guy. I much prefer playing 2D platformers than I do 3D platformers. But at the time, like in this period of the 90s, I was seen as an old school kid because that was the past. That's what we were doing in the early 90s. That's what your brother was doing on the Commodore 64. This is the future now. This is what games look like. And and I think that worked. We saw it in the magazines. You saw it on TV shows. It worked. That messaging did work. I would say that I play more of the 2D games of the early to mid-90s than I do the 3D games. Like, there aren't many launch titles for the PlayStation or the Saturn that I will immediately go, oh, yeah, I want to play that. Like, your Daytona and your Wipeout and your Ridge Racer notwithstanding, there aren't many others. And those that do, I would argue, are not true 3D games. Tekken, 3D graphics, sure, and you can do the occasional sidestep and whatnot, but it's a one-on-one -on -one fighter. You don't move in freely around the screen. You don't kind of move in and out as you would in a truly 3D world. It is essentially a 2D fighter. 
So I come back to those games. And the same is true of that now with the latest Tekkens. It's still pretty much a 2D fighting game. I think of the, the Alpha series or the Zero series, depending on which country you look for. Fucking love those. They're mm-hmm. great. And in fact, the Saturn port of Zero 3, of Alpha 3, oh, chef's kiss. Absolutely perfect. Never released outside Japan, but so good and so much fun to play on now. And I don't know. I, th- I think... I, I think it says a lot. Sorry, I don't want to, to interrupt. No, no, I think please it's, do, because I'm I, running out of steam. <laughs> I, I think it says a lot that we didn't get a Sonic game on the Sega Saturn. And the reason why we didn't get a Sonic game on the Sega Saturn is because it had to be a 3D game. And they could not work out how to do 3D Sonic. But if you'd have released a brand new 2D Sonic game, it probably would have looked wicked. It probably would have been really fun to play. And it would have been held up as a really classic game. But they didn't do it because they what the basically the one game we got was Sonic 3D Blast, which was a port of a Mega Drive game. Yeah. And, and isn't that good? They could have done a classic 2D Sonic game with all the 3D bells and whistles used exactly. for the backgrounds and the world. Like they did with Sonic CD and like they did with Knuckles Chaotix. Or like they even did kind of with Clockwork Knight. Like Clockwork Knight is a 2D platformer. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, so is Bug. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. It. We're going to see more of the Saturn and we're going to see a lot more of the PlayStation moving forward. They are going to be the main consoles we see represented on Games Master, plus a healthy dose of the PC and the arcade. But every time, every time the Saturn's on screen, that toast is going to be a little bit burnt, Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's going to have that slight acrid bitterness of burning because oh, it's just so frustrating. It is so, so frustrating. And it's been very frustrating to kind of like look back at it as well. Fascinating to look back and a a fascinating launch for a company that was on top of the world when they launched this and and sort of how they biffed it. And I think we'll bring this episode to a close. Just want to highlight as well. I think earlier in this episode, I said there weren't any other Sonic games. We said Sonic R and Sonic Gem. I did forget about Sonic Fighters. Someone will probably bring me up on that. I've just remembered it now. It um, wasn't a proper Sonic game, well, and I, it's I, not that I, great I, in the first I, place. I know, Ash. I know, but someone will have brought me up on it. Anyway, I think we'll bring this episode to a close. Thank you all so much for listening. You all rule. We'll be back next week with the launch of the Sony PlayStation, which, trust me, is a much brighter episode. It is. It's, there's a much shinier outlook for that one. Yeah, we, this is the Empire Strikes Back. Next week is a bit <laughs> Return of the Jedi bit more yub nub <laughs> i love a bit of yub nub and if you want your yub nub seven days early and ad free head on over to patreon.com forward slash under console pod back as the five pound level and you get next week's uh next week's episode early as well as utp extra our monthly show where we go through other tv shows from the 90s and the 80s in the same ucp style and under console nation our monthly community podcast hey we've also got a discord ash what can people find over there? Over on the Discord, the discussion of Billy Bear has come up, or Teddy Ham. Do you remember Billy Bear or Teddy Ham? I don't think I do. It's like the shaped processed meat that has the face oh, of a bear. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Basically eaten by small children and Hannibal Lecter when he has a packed lunch. That's the mm-hmm. kind of remit of it. Yeah. yeah, they're talking about that. Also, beware the abyss. It is a cursed place. Although I will say they have set up a quite lovely venting and motivation thread, which, you know, not everyone's had the greatest past couple of weeks. The new year hasn't started terribly bright for some. Our community is supporting each other and, you know, we're propping ourselves up and there's a lot of love over there. It's a really nice thing to be a part of. And I I do appreciate popping on there every day and just seeing how people are lifting each other up. It's lovely. We'll see you next week for the launch of the Sony PlayStation as we head towards the launch 
of Series 5 of Under Consultation. Take care, everyone. Good night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>